Amen. You know, it's kind of rough for a preacher to see rain on Sunday. <clears throat> Especially when you're in a Baptist church, because they don't like to come when it's raining. But as dry as it's been, uh, we just need to rain. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad you were faithful today. Come out to be in the house of the Lord. And I trust, I trust you're going to be glad you did. I'm already glad I came. I'm already glad I came. Boy, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. You know those songs, I believe you're my healer. I believe that nothing's impossible to God. It's easy, it's easy singing that stuff in here. It's easy singing that stuff when you're well. It's easy singing that stuff when everything's going right. It's easy singing that stuff when your kids are acting right. But we're going to have to learn how to sing that stuff when everything's going wrong. Because guess what? It's just as true then as it is in here. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to read Acts chapter 2 in verse 41. All right, the, the day of Pentecost has taken place. Peter has preached a, 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 an amazing sermon. Thousands of people are saved. It's a great day. Say amen. I mean, just an incredible day. The church is born. The church, listen, it, it starts out. Here we, have, here we have a great example of a New Testament church and what a New Testament church is supposed to do. How many of y'all know that there's a lot of different opinions about what a great church is? How many of y'all know there's a lot of different opinions about what church is supposed to do? Y'all with me? Now, I want to do an exercise. I, now, really, I'm kind of messing this up because this is the first two questions in your life group, but I know some of y'all are not going to go, so I'm going to go ahead and lay it on you. <laughs> All right, all right. here's what I want you to do. Think a minute in your mind. Think a minute in your mind. Take a moment, and I want you to be as descriptive as possible, as specific as you can. How, what is a great church? In your mind, what is the perfect church? Describe in your mind, don't say it out loud, but describe in your mind what a perfect church would look like. In other words, what a perfect church would do, how a perfect church would operate, what a perfect church would be like. Uh, everything from the top to bottom, attitude, actions, uh, behavior, uh, so forth and so on, all right? The perfect church. Y'all with me? Does everybody understand what I'm asking? Uh, this right here means yes, this right here means no, all right? Does everybody understand what I'm asking? All right, do you have it ready? Y'all ready? Do you have it in your mind? Okay, let me ask you this second question. How are you doing with that? You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, you are the church. You know what? I've come across a lot of people who have a lot of good ideas of what other people should do. Well, preacher, I think the church needs to do this, and I think the church needs to do that, and I, I think the church needs to be working in this area. And I say, are you? Because we're the church. We're the church. Before you criticize a church for what they are not doing, you might need to look in the mirror first. Because you're the church. I'm the church. Preacher, what are you going to do? I'm going to bring my expectation. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Let's see what a great church was like. How many of y'all would agree that the church in the book of Acts that turned the world upside down was a great church? They did some great things. Let's look at some characteristics, characteristics of a great church. Look what it says in verse 41. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Acts 2, verse 41. 
Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So first you have salvation, then you have baptism, then you have church membership, all in this one, one verse. They added unto the 120 3,000 souls. Now that's what I call a revival. Amen. So here we have, here we have 3,000 brand new converts, brand new converts. Now watch what it says. Read the first three words for me. Okay, everybody. Say it again. In a lot of churches, after someone saved and baptized and, and brought in the membership, it says, and they disappeared. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You see, salvation, church membership, although that's just the beginning. That's just where it starts. Now, after it says, and they continued. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily, there's that word again, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. I love this one. And the Lord added to the church, and the Lord added to the church, Daily, such as should be saved. All those who were being saved, Jesus was adding to the church. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen. Let's discuss these verses for a little while, all right? Lord, thank you for your blessings and your mercy. Lord, thank you for all those that were baptized today. Thank you for the salvations we are seeing. Thank you for the commitment of your people in this place. And God, I pray that you'll give them a double blessing for coming out in the rain. Lord, I pray that you will... Uh, uh, be glorified in this place. I pray that you'll be honored in the word. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Characteristics of a great church. What are some things that we see in here uh, uh, that, that really reflects what God is looking for in a church? And the first thing I saw, and I honestly, I, I wanted to preach the whole message on the first thing that I saw, the first characteristic that I saw, uh, but God wouldn't allow me to do that. And so I want to I look at this first. If you're, if you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, I want you to look at this. In verse number 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly. When the word continued and steadfastly goes together, continued steadfastly. And that means they were intent. They were fervent. They were faithful. So what is the first characteristic that we see of the early church, a great church? Their faithfulness. Say that with me. Their faithfulness. Say it with me. Their they were faithful. They were faithful. You didn't have to bribe them. You didn't have to pry them. You didn't have to beg them. You didn't have to threaten them. They were faithful. All the other characteristics that we're going to read and we're going to look at, we're going to see that they were faithful. Uh, is Dustin in the house anywhere? Is Dustin in the house anywhere? Uh, make sure he says there's 25 people fanning in here to turn that, that air conditioner to iceberg, okay? Whatever we got to do, uh, okay. All right. Is everyone happy? Say amen. They were faithful. In all these things that we listed, we're going we're gonna to look at their faithfulness. They, they continued. They were steadfast. They were dependable. 
I, I looked at the word. I looked at the word in the synonyms that go with faithful. Uh, the word is dependable. The word is trustworthy. Uh, you can count on them. How many of y'all know that that is a characteristic that's not just missing in church today, it's missing in the world today. It's missing in marriages today. It's missing in employers today. Faithful, just being able to be counted on. I, I saw two different, uh, two different verses in God's Word in the book of Proverbs that talked about faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Now watch this. Here's a description. Here's a description that the wisest man ever to live gave about someone who was faithful. He says in Proverbs 25, 13, As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. In other words, you know how in the fall, you know how in the fall when it's been hot, 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 hot all summer, and that first fall day where it's got a little chill in the air and, it's, and it feels a little brisk and it is so refreshing? I mean, you finally get to feel a little coolness. You've been burning up all summer. And man, how, how great that feels. You know what he's saying? That is what it is to somebody who is trusting in another person and he is faithful. He is trustworthy. You can depend on him. He is a messenger. Maybe you're the employer and they're the employee and you know hell or high water, no matter what, you can depend on him. Boy, there's nothing like a pastor having to depend on people you can't depend on. There's nothing like knowing as a spouse you can trust and depend on your spouse that you don't have to worry about what they're doing when you leave. There's nothing like faithfulness, say amen. Man, being faithful is so important. The, the, Solomon said something else about it. Now he's looking on the other end of the spectrum. He said how refreshing, how invigorating it is to be able to depend on somebody and know they're going to be faithful. But watch what he says about an unfaithful man. In Proverbs twenty-five nineteen, it says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. How many of y'all have ever had a, 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 a tooth uh, hurting you got to go to the, the dentist? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Wasn't that a blessing? I'm not sure. I'm not sure in my life that I've ever had anything hurt me worse than a, than a bad tooth. That makes your whole head ache. Now, kidney stones are right there. So I'm not going to lie about that. But I'm telling you what. A broken tooth, if you've ever broken a tooth, that's bad. That raw nerve is there. How many of y'all have ever twisted an ankle before? Isn't that such a blessing? You know what Solomon's saying here? When you're trying to depend on somebody and they're untrustworthy and they're unfaithful, man, it's as painful as having a broken tooth. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we as Christians need to learn to be faithful. You know what? Something dawned on me when I was writing these notes out. Do you know it requires zero skills to be faithful? Do you realize it requires zero talent to be faithful? It doesn't require skill. It doesn't require talent. But it does require character. Listen, the Bible says this, and this is great. This is great. It is, moreover, it is required in stewards. And that's what we are, y'all. As Christians, we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
We're stewards of the life that God has given us. We're stewards of the time that God has given us. We're stewards of the provisions that God has given us. Everything we have belongs to God. All that you have, your children, your finances, your everything is God's, and God has given it to you to be a steward, a manager over it. And you know what God says? It is required in a steward that a man be found... Aren't you glad it didn't say successful? It didn't say that. God didn't say you have to be successful to be right with... No. He said faithful. He said faithful. You know, you know what I, I think we need to understand right here? Everybody in this room can be faithful. Everybody in this room cannot preach. Everybody in this room cannot sing. Say amen right there. Everybody in this room can't do what everybody else does, but everybody in this room can be faithful. I don't know why God won't give me more than I have because you're not faithful with what you got. The Bible says if you're faithful in the least, you'll be faithful in the much. If you're not faithful in the least, you won't be God can't trust you with it. Faithfulness. Let's just be faithful. You don't have to be good. Just be dependable. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here in the summer in the rain. <clears throat> Everybody needs to hear this is not here today. Amen. <laughs> Faithfulness. They, they continued steadfastly. They were faithful. They kept on. Then I want you to see number two. They were faithful. Really, you could say number one is over all the others, that they were faithful to do all these other things, but it is what it is. Look in verse number two. It, or excuse me, verse 42. What were they faithful in? They continue steadfastly first in the apostles' doctrine. Say that with me. In the Now, what I want you to write down, write this down. The characteristic that I want you to see is they had a desire to learn. They were not only faithful, but num number two, they had a desire to learn. It, it, it always amazes me that, that, that there are Christians today who don't care about their Bible who don't care about the truths of God's Word. Now, here's where there's a problem. The Bible says, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. Do you know when a, when a baby is born, they have an automatic desire for milk? They have an automatic desire to eat something. They are hungry. They don't have to be forced. They don't have to be begged. It's there. It's natural. Now, some, there's, there's issues that they have to take place, but overall, there's a natural instinct to want to feed. And you know what? When you are saved, when you know Christ, when you are born again, there should be a natural desire. There should be a natural instinct that God has put in you to desire to know Him, to desire to know the Word. But I, I just don't understand people who don't have a desire to learn. The Bible says in, in Psalms, in chapter 19, it says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Talking about God's word, his truth, his wisdom. Yea, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. I, I, I used to sit around. I used to sit around and listen to my my father, he, the, the other people, you know, at, at church. Uh, with preachers would come into town and at camp meeting time, and man, I'd always sit around and listen to those stories. I loved listening to them tell the stories of things that happened in church back then, and things that God did, and revivals, and miracles, and so just different things. And and I remember my father telling me that right after that they got saved, my mom, my dad. Paul Howe and Cheryl Howe, all four of them got saved the very same night on a Wednesday night of a revival meeting in a storefront church there in Fort Pierce, Florida at Bethel Baptist Church. They all four got saved. And, and, and you know what they did after that? Every, just about every night they'd get together and they would sit there and read their Bible and they would try to learn and they would try to find out things and, 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 and grow and learn. And my dad told me there were times that they stayed all night long. And the sun came up, and they started cooking breakfast, and all they were doing was fellowshipping, reading their Bible, learning. They had a desire to learn God's Word. Let me tell you a characteristic of the early church. They wanted to learn. They wanted to grow. They wanted to develop. And you say, why are you emphasizing this? Because the Bible says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Listen, you say the world's getting worse. The world's always been wicked. The world has always been wicked. I, I, started, I started looking and studying at some of the characteristics of our world today and some of the sins and the wickedness that we deal with. Do you know it's always been that way? I don't believe the world's gotten any worse. I just think the church has gotten weaker. Listen, they had a great desire to learn. You can, you can create all the opportunities you want, but you can't. It's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but... You know what irritates me? Y'all know I usually say what's on my mind. But I tell you something that really irritates me. Is when somebody's not faithful, hitting the miss... Just here when it's convenient for them, when they don't have nothing else to do. And then they go through a crisis in their life, and they come and say, Preacher, what do we do? And they tell me their situation, and I just preached on it two weeks ago. I want to say, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here sitting in the pew where you're supposed to be, and heard the truth, you wouldn't be in this mess. You mean to tell me God works that way? Yes, God works that way. He gives you what, let me read it again. Moreover, by them, by God's words, moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Number three, y'all are so excited about that point, let's just move on. Yeah, bless me. 
Let me say one more thing about that. Don't, don't blame the preacher. Don't blame the church. And sure enough, don't blame God. For the mess you're in, if you're not going to be faithful. Please. Please. I, I, I had to go back to the doctor's Friday. Start running fever again. Yeah, that was a blessing. Throat started hurting again. I said, well, the strep's done come back. So I go to the doctor. And I'm sitting in the doctor's office, 8.30 in the morning. It's over there by that Jim and Nick's place over there. And the walls was shaking. Yeah, y'all know. There's a big concert in town, Brother Dave. It, it, you know, they was practicing. It was ridiculous. Anyway, the doctor came in, and he wasn't real happy. Now, you'd have thought he'd had a compassion on my condition. But basically, the last thing that I heard when I left the first time two weeks ago, this is your antibiotic. Guess what he told me? I forgot a couple times. So guess what I got? I got a lecture from somebody I didn't even understand. I couldn't understand a word he was saying, but his facial expression said it all. So guess what I had in my pocket coming from the parking lot to my office? My medicine. You know what he was basically saying? Listen, if you're not going to do what you're told, don't be surprised that you're back in here getting another shot. And let me tell you what, that second shot, whoo. I got in my truck and I felt like I was sitting on a golf ball. <laughs> it was not pleasant. Say, so why are you saying all this? Because it's kind of like my dad said, son, if you're going to be stupid, you're going to have to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not going to give y'all that advice. I'm just saying that's what my dad told me. If you're going to be unfaithful, and if you're not going to come what you need to get so you can be successful against the devil, don't whine about it. Number three. I should have went on. <laughs> look, at, look at this. This is great, too. This is great. The Bible says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and I'm on, there's only one person that loves me. Brother Montgomery, you're the only one that loves me. Amen. They continue steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship. fellowship. Here's what I want you to write down. Write this down. What was the characteristic of a great church? They created community. There was a sense of community. They, if you want to really read this verse, the other two things, the prayers and the eating, the, the breaking bread together, that's just describing the fellowship. They, they fellowship, they ate together, 
and they prayed together. Say that with me. They and they now let me, let me help you with something. A lot of y'all think that we want you in these small groups just so we can count you and say we have such and such in the small groups. That has zero to do with it. What does the small groups do? It creates community. It creates a place of fellowship. It creates a place of accountability. It creates a place that you can come in and develop an intimate relationship with another brother in Christ or another sister in Christ. And you can go through life together. Listen, there are times, you ever notice most everything we do is centered around food? And, and here's the thing. Hey, y- y'all going to go somewhere? Y'all, after church, hey, you go, yeah, we're going to go to Brandon Iron, or we're, we're going to go up here to Waffle House, or we're going to go to Denny's. And we all gather around, and we're sitting there, and we think it's because we're hungry. And we are, but it's not for food. That's just a side blessing. You know what we're hungering for? Fellowship. We're hungering for each other's company. We're hungering because we have lived a week in the world, we have lived around wicked and corrupt people and their spirit does not correspond with our spirit and we are not the same. And then when we get around God's people, there is a connection there and there is a desire to be together in fellowship. And it is so important to create a sense of community. You need to learn to be and hang around other people that want the same thing as you. There's even more important reason than this. Birds that flock together fall together. Some people mess up in their life, and it's not because they're bad people. It's they're hanging around bad people. But you see what happened? These believers, they believed in the same thing. They believed in the same Christ. They had the same spirit in every single one of them. And it created a desire in them to come together and gather together and fellowship and come together and eat together, come together and pray together. You know, let me tell you what they're doing. They're experiencing life together. So that you don't have to go to the funeral home alone. You know what? It's one thing. It's one thing to have the preacher there. But many people have the sense that he's paid to do that. And in some sense, some sense there's, there's a little truth to that, I guess. But what if you had a group of people that's there because they want to be there with you? They're your family. Watch this. This is what community does. This is what a, a Christian community, a, a bonding together, a fellowshipping in these groups, watch what it does. Watch what it does. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25, God created the church. He created the body of Christ in such a way that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members, watch this, the members should have the same one for... And whether one member, all the members, and one member be, all the members. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Isn't that amazing? How far have we gotten away from the perfect church? Let me describe the American version of this. Let me go back. That there should be no schism in the body, 
but that the members should have the same care one for another. American version. The preacher takes care of everybody because we pay him to. The preacher needs to go suffer with a member. The preacher needs to go... That's not what it says. What does it say? We're all the body of Christ. Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you what happens in the American church. It says, when one member be honored, let me translate it. They get a new dress or a new vehicle. Who she thinks she is. She's just showing out in front of everybody. I can't afford that. Somebody gets something. Ha- hey, I had, I had, a, we had a, a one of our church members uh, win the world hunt, coon hunt, the world. You understand? I mean, got a ring and everything. And I was just as tickled. I was following along with it on 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 the website. I was so excited. And when they when they finally won. Preacher, you want to win it? Yeah. And if I do, you all know. But you know what? Everybody couldn't be happy with them. That's so sad. Well, if there's anybody in that, in, in, in anywhere that you should be able to rejoice with somebody because they've been blessed, and you know what it seems like? That's the last place you can in church. Guys, that's not supposed to be that way. Well, let me, let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. I've got to hurry. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Look what it says in, in your Bible. And it says, And all that believed were together. It, 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 wouldn't it be a good thing to go to a church when we're all together? Now, I've got to say, and that ain't because I'm pastoring. I'm just... I'm just thankful God lets me be here. But overall, we've got a church that's together. When there's something that needs to be done, we get in there and do it. One of the greatest compliments that's ever been given to our church was from an older man of God who came and witnessed everything that's going on. And this is what he said. He said, son, the difference of temple is that there's not one person want a big part of something small. Everybody just wants a little part of something big. The Bible says, and they were together. Together. Well, we've got to be together. Amen? There was a sense of community. I've got, I got a couple more. Write these down real quick. Number four. There was extreme generosity. There was extreme generosity. And y'all notice, I put the word extreme there. It is something when you get in contact with God and you, you, you have a tendency to start acting like Him. How many of y'all would agree with me today that God is extremely generous? He shared His Son. He shares His provisions. He supplies all of our need. He has created us a home in glory. Somebody say amen. 
But the Bible says they begin to sell their properties. They had extra properties, and, and they would see a need, and they would sell a property and provide for this person's need. Let's, let's, let's read it. The Bible says in verse number 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, say it with me, as every man had. Now, now don't jump up and say, okay, this is socialism, this is communism, see, it's biblical, wrong. This was voluntary. I'm not even going to go there, so let me, let me move along, I don't have time. This was completely voluntary but they had a desire to help those around them you may tell you when god will bless you when you learn to bless others I, I had a great preacher tell me one time son don't ever forget god will give more through you than he'll ever give to you now watch the bible says in verse number in luke chapter 6 verse 38 give Say it with me. Give. Everybody say it. Give. Even those that don't want to, say it. Give. Give. And watch. It shall be given unto you. How? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. How many of y'all have ever picked peas? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. How many of y'all had one of them uh, bushel baskets and picked peas? I did the first time I ever did it. I was with an older gentleman, and he said, all right, here's your basket, here's my basket, let's go. And I got about halfway down the road and said, I'm done. He said, no, you ain't. He come and grabbed my basket and went. I mean, I had it sticking all out the top, and they just went, shroom. I was tired of picking bees, amen. And then when he did like this right here, he went. I'm like, come on, man. He said, now pick some more. And boy, by the time I was through, I had me a basket. That's what that verse reminds me of. You know what God says? You learn to be generous. You know what God's going to do to your basket? How many of y'all would like to see God do this in your basket? It's biblical. I'm just reading the Bible. I don't know what your problem is. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now watch. And God is able. Say that with me. God is. Yeah, He is. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You get that? Let me read that one part again. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I, I heard a preacher say this one time. If you can't give cheerfully, then don't give at all. Now, that's not my philosophy. 
I think you need to give and let God help you with your attitude. And all God's people say it. You say, yeah, you're just, you're just, no, no, no. I've given you all these characteristics to get to the last one. You want me to get in a life group? I know where this message is going. You want me to start giving? I'm poor enough. I, you just want me to show up. You know, the only reason you're preaching this now is because everybody's going on vacation. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I was psychic. I could read your mind. <laughs> Y'all know we've been going through the book of Acts. God put this here right when we need to hear it. You're mad because we're not being faithful. We're not in a life group. We're not being generous. We're not wanting to study our Bible. Uh, okay. If none of those appeal to you, if none of those appeal to you, look at the last one. It says in verse 44, <clears throat> And all that believe were together. And they had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Watch this, watch this. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness. Say that with me. With and of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. What is, it, what is the last characteristic I want you to write down? It's two words. Joy and contentment. That word singleness of heart. The word singleness there simply means simplicity. Simplicity, simpleness, pure. Basically, they were, they were, they were content. Life, watch this, watch this. Some of y'all are going to really like this. Life became simple. How many of y'all would like life to have a little less drama in it? Now watch. Watch this. Because they were faithful in learning the Word, learning what it meant to be Christ-like, learning who God was, learning how they should live, because they put themselves in a place where they could create a sense of community. They were fellowshipping, faithfully fellowshipping, eating together and praying for one another together. Because they were generous in their giving. Do you remember the last verse of what I just read? That God is able to make everything abound to you? You think you're losing by giving. But you cannot receive till you give. And if you give, you'll always receive. Now what did they get out of being faithful in all of that? God gave them joy. God gave them joy and contentment. I don't know. I've been dieting. Hey, I've lost 22 pounds. Say amen. But there is nothing... In this world, like the feeling of eating till you don't want to no more. And there is nothing that's worse than eating everything you got and you can't have no more. And you have to get up and you're not content. 
Let me tell you why there's so many frustrated Christians is they're living a life that's not contentment to them. They're not being what God has called them to be. They're not doing what God has called them to do. And they're trying to find joy and contentment in what this world has to offer. They're trying to find joy and contentment and possessions and all of these things. And God said, if you'll just do what I tell you to do, I will give you joy and contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Well, preacher, if I could just have that bigger house, if I could have that bigger car, I can't give my tithes or I can't give my offerings or I can't do this because if I can just get this, guess what I've learned? If you can't be happy without it, you won't be happy with it. Amen. We're done. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. John 10, 10. The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have and have it more abundantly. You know what, he, you know what they said in, in 1 John chapter number 1? Now watch, watch. Don't, don't shut your mind up. Sometimes when you shut your Bible, you shut your mind. Don't shut your mind up. Look at me. Look at me, everybody. Look at me. Look, one more, one more, one more. One more. 1 John chapter 1. They said, these things we have, we have written unto you. We were there with Jesus. We saw Jesus. Our eyes beheld him. Our hands touched him. He's the real deal. And we're telling you this. Because our fellowship is with the Father, and we want your fellowship. Remember, your fellowship to be with us. Watch this. And we're speaking these things unto you that your joy might be full. Do you think they knew something in 1 John about Acts chapter 2? Listen, they had a desire to learn. They were faithful. They created a sense of community. They were fellowshipping together. They were eating together and praying together. Man, if that's not a picture of small groups, I'll eat your socks. They were extremely generous. And because of that, God gave them an inner contentment with what they... They were not bitter. They were not grieving over what they gave away. They were tickled to death. You know why? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to... You're tired, around, you're tired of running around chasing happiness? And what this world's offering you? Then let's be like the early church. I don't want to do none of them things. Well, do you want joy? Do you want to be content for once in your life? Do you want to be happy and not wanting something else? Then let's be the church. Let's not just go to church. Let's be the church. And all God's people say it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the truth that you've given.